Hi, and welcome to Tech Takeaways, the podcast taking the technology's largest challenges and chopping them down into little bite-sized chunks for you to enjoy. Mm-hmm, delish. <laughs> I'm your host, Jason Fitzgerald, and as ever, I'm joined by my dynamic co-hosts, Wayne Miller. Hi. And Paul Stringfellow. Hi, and I'm already hungry. Mm, yeah, tasty. <laughs> and in this week's episode, we're joined by our special guest, Grant Cayley from NetApp. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Great to have you with us. So we, we've had a you know relationship with NetApp for, I think we, we worked out 16 years yeah. this year. So it's, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, welcome. Thank yeah, you. I think, I think since yeah. we were babies, um, we were probably only this high, weren't yeah, we? First time yeah. with NetApp. Yeah. It yeah. did seem a long time ago. Yeah. I'm sure you didn't have grey hair, actually, when I last <laughs> first met you, rather. Absolutely didn't. And, <laughs> and don't, don't be giving it away because when this goes into post-production or my hair gets made black again, <laughs> yes, um, so it's, yeah, don't be giving that away. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's great. Um, I think, um, I'm, I'm not sure where to start with this, really. You know, we, we've had a great relationship with NetApp over the years. And, and I think it's fair to say that the storage systems from 16 years ago certainly aren't the storage systems that are being made today. Um, and I think that part of the reason for that is because NetApp as a as a company have probably changed um, a little bit. So um, I, I think we, we probably want to get into that. But before we do, could you, could you give an, an intro to the listeners as to who you are and kind of what you do with NetApp? NetApp? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been with NetApp for uh, over 20 years now, so a very long time. Uh, at the moment, I currently do a kind of a chief technologist role as well as managing a couple of our technical teams. So I get the delightful pleasure of talking to our customers and partners about the technology that we have, the solutions, and really why NetApp is still a great company today in terms of you know what we can do. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, well, I, I thought what might be interesting is, I mean, we've talked about, obviously, you know, Grant, Long-time NetApper, we've worked with NetApp for a yeah. long time. But actually, the one person who's new to NetApp and what it does is is Wayne. So, you know, what we thought might be useful here uh, was to give Wayne the opportunity to ask all of the questions about NetApp that he's always wanted to ask but was afraid to ask. It's very dangerous. Yeah, and we're, we're going to kind of have yeah. an Ask Grant session. Okay. Um, Go for it, Wayne, so, um, let loose. Yeah, so, you know, so, so jump in. <laughs> jump in as a kind of the NetApp think, newbie. You know, the first kind of question for me is just, you know, you know, a minute on NetApp, um, who NetApp are, where they've come from, where they are today, and you know maybe what the future looks like. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's a we're quite an interesting company in the sense that we started over thirty years ago, nineteen ninety two, and at that point in time, what we did was unified data storage for Windows file serving, Unix file serving, uh, and then over those years, we added became multi protocol and we added SANS storage capabilities and, and latterly object into what we could do. But really, the bigger, biggest difference in terms of how NetApp transformed, because most people know us for those types of capabilities, was about seven or eight years ago, we decided to extend that same value proposition that we do into AWS, Azure, and Google as well, and really become a kind of unified data storage, but not unified on one box, but unified across multiple clouds, across data centers, so that customers could manage their data on NetApp irrespective of where they decided to build their applications. If it was in the data center, it was in AWS, Azure, Google, et cetera. So that was the first kind of thing which we did. And that was really about making it easy for customers to manage data, but still have all the enterprise data features that they'd want, like business continuity, HA, you know, all of these things that are important for customers. Um, but then we kind of circled around that and thought, well, if we're doing that for customers, how can we add services that would really help customers 
manage their data better that sits on the platforms which we host. So we added things like uh, data classification with our Blue XP classification product. And that's been really successful because that's around about optimizing data, looking at the security of data, looking at governance and compliance of data. And these are all really big topics for customers because as they look outside of the, the data center and into the cloud, they really struggle to think, they, they have to look at what they're doing with their data and what the, you know, and what environments they're putting it into. And that classification tool lets them do that. But then also we sit further around that in terms of providing observability and management tools to help customers manage their infrastructure as a service across on-prem and cloud. And then ultimately, and the last piece probably is really help them optimize the cost of delivering IaaS across on-prem and cloud. Because particularly when you move into the cloud, cost is one of the biggest uh, detriments, I suppose, that customers run, in, run into as they realize how much those services are starting to cost them. Mm-hmm. So really, we've kind of expanded from that core of hosting data to extending it into helping customers host data across any environment, secure that data, uh, build classification governance uh, across that, and then look into how we do observability and cost optimization as well. So it's much, much more than you yeah, know the, the net up of last uh, of yesteryear, really. And the, the type of customer that bought NetApp in, we say, 92 yeah. versus 2002, 2000, you know, is it still that same classification of customer certain size you know what does that change over the years as well yeah though? i mean our first target customers in 92 were the, were the technical computing kind of market because nfs was the first protocol we came out with and that was aimed at technical audiences writing technical applications the dot-com bubble when it burst in 2000 meant we had to look wider so we developed into enterprise markets and fsi and financial services became one of our biggest kind of customer bases but now really what netapp can do is because our platforms can deliver all the way down to just, you know, 10, 20 terabytes of storage all the way up to multi, multi petabytes of storage, we can really position ourselves for any size of customer. So it doesn't actually matter what size the customer is, or even if they're looking at their own data center or looking at building into the public clouds, we've got a capability in each of those. So there isn't really a customer, uh, you know, that we wouldn't be able to serve nowadays at any kind of, um, you know, any angle. Is there a kind of, a you know, a minimum, you know, I'm, you know, we've got kind of SMEs that we work of up to, you know, 80, 100 employees, which we've got our MSP offering. And then we've got kind of our mid-markets, which, I don't know, in some cases, 150 to 2,000. Yeah. You know, is, is NetApp's marketplace, that mid-market to enterprise, or do they, you know, do you find organisations, I suppose it's not down to the user, it's down to the data and how they're using the data, yeah. Yeah, um, actually our low-end boxes, because the, the thing about having a unified platform is that it's the same experience, whatever size of customer. Okay. And the low-end, right down at the very small customer market, we've got very small companies running on NetApp, because you're right, it's, it's really about how much data you're looking to store, and our kind of very low-end platforms you're talking about, you know, eight, 10 terabytes of data, oh, okay. which is pretty much any customer nowadays from a starting point. Uh, but we deliver the same experience across all the platforms. So that's one of the real benefits of NetApp is that it doesn't matter if you're a very small customer, you can grow into a larger one or be a larger customer. You get the same capabilities, the same features uh, and value out of what, wherever you are with the NetApp uh, from a portfolio perspective. And I think that's a, just just to add to that, I think it's a really interesting capability, isn't it? That idea of consistency. So actually, whatever you can do on-prem, you can do inside the public cloud. Yeah. And, and funnily enough, yeah. I mean, I, I actually had a meeting last, in the last week with somebody who does you, so it wasn't a NetApp customer of ours. They, they, but they will NetApp on-prem. Um, and that was part of the reason I was there. They were looking for somebody who kind of knew, knew NetApp in, in the locality. Um, and they were looking at migrating to the cloud. And actually, one of the things that we talked about was, do you realize all of the capabilities you're getting on-prem in terms of 
optimization, data optimization. So the things like deduplication, compression. You know, so because before you move that to the cloud, you have to realize that why you think you've got this much data on-prem, when you actually start to explode that out and put it in you know, non-NetApp storage, have you done the calculation to say how big a leap that, yeah. that data is? Hydration of data is a real problem yeah. because people are used to on-premise, we're getting all the storage efficiencies, but when they go to the cloud, they have to hydrate their data back out. Yeah. And that's expensive, whereas we keep, keep the same technologies on-premise and in the cloud. Yeah. And actually, if you're on a journey from NetApp to NetApp in the cloud, you don't even have to rehydrate the data. It stays so and I it's I didn't even know that that was a thing, by the way. Yeah, um, big cost thing, yeah. Rehydrating data. So Every day is a school day, Wayne. Every day. It is here. Um, so what you're saying is, you know, a, I don't know, a gigabyte, gigabyte or a terabyte of data, when you use a NetApp, can be... Um, reduced into a you know a smaller portion of data yeah. but then when you were to use a third party you've got to rehydrate that. that's right yeah so netapp is is really good with storage storage efficiencies so okay. snapshotting is part of that so being able to take a instantaneous uh, copy of the data but also dedupe and inline compression really shrinks that data down at the point at which you're writing it what's really powerful about the uh, cloud offerings for you know amazon azure gcp is that when it's used in connection with NetApp, you're not rehydrating that data. You're just taking, that you're just, you're taking it from on-prem and oh, okay. just pushing it over. All, all of the storage efficiency is pretty much preserved. Yeah. yeah. And actually it makes a difference when you consider how much data you normally have to move in and out of the cloud because it also keeps that ingress and egress cost and time to do it reduced as well. Yeah. So it does make a... And a lot of our customers actually use this in the cloud because of the, the cost of storing data. And if they can bring those reduction technologies in the cloud as well, then it helps them, you know, significantly. Well, absolutely. And, and I think that leads on to kind of the question that was in the back of my mind, because I think it's easy, isn't it, to look at storage, you know, and I think I've been guilty of this. In fact, I know I have, you know, looking at storage and thinking, well, storage isn't that, storage is boring, um, to, to coin a phrase from, uh, from some, somebody I know. Um, but actually that idea that's, Actually, storage isn't the sexy part of IT. You know, people look at storage and think, well, you know. But actually, as we move into a world of AI and machine learning, where we've got these massive data sets that we need to be able to utilize and, and take advantage of, actually, storage probably needs to be way much more of a concern than, than perhaps people are giving it credit for. So, so are you yeah. seeing kind of the conversations? Because you talked in the intro about, you know, your, your role is to talk to customers. Yeah. You know, so are you seeing kind of the NetApp buyer changing or are you seeing that the reason that, you know, what, what are the main use cases, I guess, that people are coming to NetApp for now and seeing that NetApp can do something for them? Yeah, I mean, traditionally it would have been your your storage teams, your server teams, they were looking for storage on the back end. Now what we're seeing is much more the conversation is actually with transformation architects because they're being tasked with building an environment across the data center and the cloud. And what they want to try and do is start to standardize at least layers they build on top of to make that simpler and more cost, you know, and more effective for, for getting to what they're looking to do. And obviously NetApp fits into that because we can do the same in the data center, same in the public clouds as well. But equally now we're finding some of the audiences we're talking to around about AI because AI is all about data. You yeah. know, data sits on NetApp. And if you can build an environment on-premise in the cloud that means that you can flow the data to where you need it to process it for AI purposes, then you can get much faster. And the other factor with that as well is if you can integrate things like instant data cloning, instant snapshots, instant rollback of data, you can wrangle huge data sets for AI and actually get much more parallel activity going at a much kind of lower cost point and much faster point than you could otherwise. So the audience was starting to talk to are now looking more at this layer of, well, how do we build this kind of pipeline of what we're doing on top? And 
the, the storage, which used to be considered just the dumb part of the equation, can actually provide a lot of intelligent API-driven value into that kind of pipeline and really help customers accelerate what they're trying to do. Yeah, I think that's quite important as well. You know, when, whenever we draw, whenever whenever we draw an architecture diagram, you know, we always draw the the storage at the bottom and compute on the top, um, and because essentially storage is the foundational layer to anything that is built on top. And if we can add capabilities to the storage that other layers can take advantage of, then it's it, it's a force multiplier. Um, one of the things that that I've always found quite impressive is the. NetApp Waffle file system being able to instantly recover uh, very, very, very large data sets, you know, almost, almost yeah. instantly. And when we look at ransomware, that has such a powerful impact, you know, being able to say, well, actually, we're, we're, we're able to recover from ransomware quickly. Our recovery time is, is, is quite low. Yeah, no, it's a very valid point because, you know, we've got technologies that can help you detect an attack, uh, protect against that attack. But the most important part for most customers, and I talked to a CEO at one of the kind of national infrastructure companies that, you know, that run our infrastructure, and they said the most important thing to them was actually being able to recover from the attack. Right, they yeah. know they will get attacked at some point. It's an inevitability nowadays. But the question for them was, can we recover and how long is that recovery time? And the technologies that built into NetApp around about the clones and being able to roll back any size of data set within seconds and integrate that into a kind of a workflow means that they could recover from a ransomware attack you know, and do that within a matter of minutes, yeah. you know, rather than days. And, and or I weeks. guess it's and I guess it's the ability to be able to do that anywhere as well. So, you know, as long yeah. as we've got this kind of, you know, fabric of consistency across all of those locations, the ability that we can move that data efficiently and recover it into all those must must be a huge benefit. Yeah. yeah. And actually in the cloud, that's one of the reasons a lot of people like the NetApp technology, because the snapshots in the cloud are often S3 based and, and not that fast in terms of the fast to take, but very slow to recover. Yeah. The NetApp technology doesn't rely on that. So you can still do the same thing. You can recover in seconds, whatever size of data set, for example. And that really does help customers do different do things differently. And, and NetApp have got some guarantees around that as well, haven't they? Whereby if the data is snapshotted on NetApp and there is a ransomware, there is a, there is a guarantee around that being able to recover, isn't it? Yeah, because, I mean, we've, we've had ransomware guarantees in the market. Rubrik did one on the backup side. You know, right. they guarantee yeah. they can recover your backup. What we do is on the primary storage side. So we guarantee that if you set up the system as you should do, and we've detected an attack, we've taken a snapshot, we guarantee you'll be able to recover your data from that snapshot, but on the primary system. And the real benefit there versus a backup is it's a lot quicker to do, you know, you still need backups, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's not a part of the equation, but being able to recover and guarantee that we guarantee that you can recover on the primary platform means you can get that platform and that application up and running much, much quicker. Yeah, that's really so, powerful. Well, so I suppose we come to kind of the, the, the end of our time here on, on this show. Um, we started off with Wayne not knowing that much about NetApp, um, you know, and I, I know we've only kind of scratched the surface, but I suppose for Wayne or for anybody watching the, the show who may be not familiar with NetApp, what, what's kind of two or three key takeaways that they should know about kind of NetApp today and the kind of problems you're solving? Yeah, I think the main thing is, you know, NetApp are enterprise storage, but we do it not just in the data center, we do it in AWS, Azure, and Google, so you can build a standardized way to manage your data. But then now we also layer on security, ransomware protection, uh, classification of data, because that's as important as storing the data and protecting it. Uh, and then also observability of the infrastructure you run your data on. And then ultimately cost optimization technologies, both on-prem, in the cloud, and actually in the cloud for compute as well as data storage. So we do a lot more than most customers would think. And if they're on a journey in any shape or form to use on-prem and cloud or one or the other, 
then have a look at NetApp because we can bring a lot of kind of really great features and capabilities to, to what they're trying to do. Absolutely. Well, look, I think that's a great place to end the episode on. Feels so, like it. Grant, thanks for joining us. No, thank you, um, thank thank you for you. having me. To, to the audience, we hope you found that insightful. Uh, if you've not subscribed yet, there's a subscribe button on YouTube just below. Uh, we're available everywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll see you next week. Take care.